Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast, presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. We'll get you ready for the top high school football games in Lee and Collier counties each week with our analysis and predictions. Here are your hosts, the News Press's Adam Regan and the Naples Daily News' Adam Fisher. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I'm News Press sports writer Adam Regan and I'm joined again for a second season with Naples Daily News sports reporter Adam Fisher. Fisher, how are you, man? I am so good. I'm sitting across the table from my best friend in the whole wide world, Adam Regan. Of course, next to us is our producer extraordinaire, Andrew Melendez, back for season two. And if we're in this beautiful podcasting studio at the uh, News Press in beautiful downtown Fort Myers, it must be football season. I'm looking forward to it. Exactly. And you said we're best friends. I mean, football season, we are best friends, and it's then true. we kind of go on a break for a little bit. You know, like like any good couple, you need some time apart to yourself, you know, and, and that's understandable. Maybe some time to see other best friends, but, you know, it, it's August, and we're best friends till December. Indeed. So I think in order to get into this particular season, we got to go over what we missed while we were gone after that devastating loss for Naples to Nor- Miami Northwestern in the state semifinal. What happened after that? News of the day, you reported it first, Naples Daily News, News Press, the South Gulf Officials Association, Mm -hmm. looks like they're going to strike, and we may not have football in Lee County for the foreseeable future? Well, that that is the word. You're right. Um, and we do, it feels exciting to have some breaking news on the podcast. Like, it just happened late last night. Uh, the state's talking about it today as we, we record. But, yeah, South Gulf Football Officials Association voted not to register with the FHSAA this season. They're upset with the amount of pay they get per game. Now, the SGFOA, as they are shortly called, is the only official association in Lee County. So if they don't work, football games up here do not get covered. But, however, today, as we've done our reporting, I know you've talked to some people, too, it's sounding like there's going to be an agreement. Now, I don't want to put words in the mouth. This is just from John Mantica, who's president of the SGFOA, uh, said he had a very good conversation this morning with Dave LaRosa, who is in charge of athletics there at Lee County Schools. He's already talked to the ADs at the schools that are not affiliated with Lee County Public Schools, and they all seem to have been agreeable. I know you talked to one we, we can mention later, but they're working towards it. Basically, what they're asking for is more money. Now, the FHSAA caps the amount an official can get paid. A football official working an FHSAA game can only get $65 a game. The FHSAA does that just to make sure that all officials are paid the same across the state and that a county like Lee County that only has one officials group, that one officials group can't hold that county hostage and say, we want $500 a game. However, there are other ways to get around that maximum. Schools can pay different fees and such like that. I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Did the South Gulf Officials Association, did they not have a contract in place? They did. How did they get out of that contract? So um, what John Manteca told me is the contract's pretty vague. First of all, they signed this contract in the summer before the officials meeting in July with the FHSAA. At that meeting, the FHSAA told them, we will not have any pay raises in 2019-2020. They didn't know that when they signed the contract. But what Manteca told me is that the contract is vague. It actually doesn't have any dollar figures in there. All the contract says is, we're going to cover your games. Like, we are contracted to cover your games. He said, even if we come to an agreement, I don't think we'll have to write up a new contract. We just fill the figures in. What they're asking for is an extra stipend of anywhere between 
Some schools, it's as low as $500. Some schools, it's as high as $2,000. And that money will go towards the officials. So the officials will get 65 bucks a game on the field. And then from the association, they'll take that stipend from the schools and, and parse that out amongst their uh, guys that work football games on Friday nights. You said that there are a couple schools that have come to an agreement that the South Gulf Officials Association cover. What schools are they, and who's still left out there hanging? Well, this is not officially. This is just what Manteca told me. We've only verified two between you and I. It's basically the uh, a couple of these schools that aren't public schools. So you got Port Charlotte. They cover the Port Charlotte games, and that's another public school. That can be tricky with public schools. Budgets are set. You have to go through a school board, etc. So not official. Bishop Vero. Canterbury and LaBelle. They've all kind of agreed in principle to pay a little bit more with, with some concessions here and there. And I talked to former LaBelle football coach and current AD Chris Siner earlier today, and he told me that there wasn't really any option for LaBelle. LaBelle football is so important to that community. They said they're going to find a way, and he told me, he quoted me, that it's going to be an extra $1,800 for LaBelle. He said rather than have the kids miss games, the gates at LaBelle High School are just crazy. Yeah. Missing out on a gate could cost them between $5,000 and $10,000 on the high side. So he said there really wasn't an option. They, they said they'll find a way. And it's also important to note that in terms of the Lee County Public Schools, budgets for the academic year and the athletic year have already been set. Right. So that's why there's an argument here. Chris Siner, obviously a Hendry County, LaBelle is a Hendry County school, said that you know they'll find a way it's not in the athletic budget but they're going to find a way i don't know if they're going to do bake sales car washes <laughs> but that eighteen hundred dollars is, go is going to get raised in labelle and there will be home games at labelle and and we haven't spoken to anyone at lee county schools yet to figure out what they're going to do even if they will agree to this but how they would pay that money because um, they still need to decide that amongst themselves however like like you said the budgets are set but i wonder if it can come out of the athletic budget you know Athletic departments, at least in Collier County, I, I believe it's the same way in Lee County, are, are completely self-funded. There's no money allotted towards these football programs. All the money spent on athletics, except for travel and, thing, and things like that, um, comes out of the money raised by sports. Football is the only team that makes money. So as you said, LaBelle comes up with $5,000 each game. That goes towards buying new uniforms for the cross-country team and, and paying coaches you know, and certain things. So uh, these are very big, and as you said, no other options. The Naples officials have said they will not work Lee County games, and they will not work games that are moved to Collier County. So if there's no, if, if the Lee officials don't work, no football gets played. Indeed, and on a bigger scale, on a state scale, what else is going on around the state with officials? Because this has been an issue that's been festering for quite some time. You and I have both done reporting on it in years past. Obviously, to this level where there might be a strike, we haven't worked on something like that, but. Are there other officials associations that are thinking about going the same route as the South Gulf? So, so there is talk, you know, our USA Today Florida network, uh, we've been kind of having conversations with sports reporters around the state. The only association I've heard of that does plan to strike is the uh, East, it's Palm Beach County. I can't remember the exact, uh, you know, letters of their name, but uh, the East Coast Football Officials Association based in Palm, Palm Beach County. Got a message from Broward County today. It was in the Sun Sentinel that uh, they have talked about striking, but instead they're going to go ahead and play. Collier has said they will go ahead and play this uh, year with the, um, you know, trust in the FHSAA who says they, the FHSAA has promised that they will address this in the offseason. It won't be a minor change, a five-buck raise like it has been. It'll be significant. But it doesn't seem like they're going to budge this year. 
doesn't sound like it, and, and that's why the uh, Lee County officials have found a way to go around that uh, uh, FHSAA maximum. Let's uh, share with you that you know other states, they do get a lot more to officiate games. In Florida's neighboring states, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, all of them get $100 per game at least. Florida, of the 10 southeastern states I could find, Florida's the lowest at $65. Now, Kyle Niblett of the FHSAA pointed out to me today, in fact, he specifically said that is a uh, unfair comparison because schools here pay a larger administrative fee to these officials associations, where in Alabama, they pay their officials 100 bucks a game, but each school only pays like $35 a year in administrative fees, whereas Lee County schools are paying $300 a year right now in administration fees. What do you think the impact of missing games will be? Oh, it'd be huge. I mean, it'd be disastrous, not only from the financial part, because that's what we talk about. These public schools, you, you miss a game. I spoke with a football coach in Collier today, and Collier's not affected except for games that are in Lee yeah, County. But there's a couple of a couple of those teams that are supposed to be coming up here to play. Baron Collier's supposed to play at Riverdale in the preseason. Now, they're also supposed to play in the scrimmage this Saturday. The officials were going to kind of use as their on-field clinic. Well, that's been canceled because these officials aren't registered. So not only are they missing their live scrimmage, they're missing their preseason. All of a sudden, they would have to walk into week one being ill-prepared. And Mark Jackson, Baron Collier head coach, says, you know, the biggest jump an improvement comes from your first game to your second game. That's typically your preseason game to your week one. Now you gotta you gotta come in week one cold, and then it's just you know it's tough for the kids. You know that's what everybody says. It's no one said it's unfair to the kids, but just that it's kind of sad that they may miss time. But again, I've heard from people I've talked to that it sounds like some things are are uh, you know moving, and that we should see football by August sixteenth, the preseason. And in looking through social media, I wanted to know what the coaches thought about the whole official things because they're in a they're in a similar situation in terms of pay you know the state of florida does not pay its high school football coaches very much compared to other states and right up there in georgia yep. you know texas obviously because the two groups the coaches and the officials are in the kind of similar situations with low pay i feel like the coaches are using this situation with the officials to kind of highlight their issue as well so i think that this coaches pay situation could come to the surface as well it could i haven't heard too much about that i've heard a lot of support from coaches for the officials now maybe that's in their back pocket that's why because they're not getting paid as much but they are getting paid more but however you know it's it's for a long season you know coach and stipends what like six thousand dollars whereas official gets a thousand dollars they're six they're six thousand dollars in collier county uh the lee county coaches just got a raise and they're about about the head coaches are about forty six hundred dollars really really yeah it's a lot easier to go down that's why a lot of coaches want to go coach in collier county well and a lot of coaches want to go coach up in georgia i was gonna say we've seen this i mean uh, a collier county guy pete fulmanai goes up to georgia where it's rumored they pay coaches six figures just to coach not to be a teacher not to teach drivers ed or pe sam dollar leaves heads out to um, oklahoma Going home and great, but, you know, Bill Kramer even said he's going to a place where they take football seriously, and that includes how they pay their coaches. So, yeah, that, that could be an issue coming up uh, here in the next you know, year or so. Indeed. Well, that's about all we have on that issue right now. Make sure to go to news-press.com and naplesnews.com for reporting from Adam Fisher on this ongoing situation. And Adam Regan. Adam Regan's been helping out, guys. Yeah, don't, I'll, don't I'll be doing a little humble. bit on it, on it, too. Both of us agree that hopefully this gets resolved. Yeah, and I think it will be. As I said, I, I wasn't so confident last night. It was pretty grim. These guys were staunchly opposed. But now I, I hear some optimism. So we still have, you know, 10 days to, to work this out. And when we come back from break, we're going to discuss some more issues that have been going on while we were away.
keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com, and by downloading the Naples Daily News and the News Press apps onto your mobile devices. And welcome back into the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. First episode of the second season. And now we're going to break down some of the changes we got coming up this year. We've got a new playoff system, some rule changes that are slight, even some new players and some new places. What I think is the biggest change is the ratings percentage index system, commonly known as RPI, that the FHSAA is going to use to determine playoff teams. If you remember, I believe it was two, three years ago, the FHSAA went to a point system to select at-large or wildcard teams to the playoffs. District champion still gets in, and the higher classes and the lower four classes, every playoff spot is decided by a point system they had. Last one was a little convoluted. It depended, you know, they broke teams into categories and based on record. Now it's a basic math equation. They're going to take a team's winning percentage multiplied by 35%, and their opponent's winning percentage multiplied by 35%, and their opponent's opponent's winning percentage by 30%. So basically, three factors, simple. Your winning percentage, opponent's winning percentage, your opponent's opponent's winning percentage. And that's a mouthful to say, but what do you think about it, Regan? Again, they're just tweaking this. The FHSA wants the best teams in the state playoffs, and I think the FHSA wants the best teams playing for state championships when the money is on the line up you know, in Tallahassee or Daytona Beach, wherever they're playing. They definitely don't want teams that'll go, you know, six and four to, you know, be automatically in. And then you have a team like Southwest Florida Christian Academy who goes two and eight and Mm -hmm. gets in. They're just really trying to tweak this so the best teams get in. So scheduling is huge. Yeah, and I think every coach I've talked to has been in favor of this. I don't know what you've heard, just because of the simplicity of it. As I said before, and, and before there were bonus points. If you played a team in, say, 2019 that made the playoffs in 2018, you got bonus points for that that counted towards making the playoffs this year. Well, why should your playoffs this year be determined on a team that made the playoffs last year, especially in high school sports, especially in Florida where there's so many kids moving around and transferring, which we'll talk about later, that teams can be completely different from year to year. So now it's just based on the game you win and it, let's let's put out there if you win a district championship you still make the playoffs so that's what coaches say we're just going to win the games in front of us i love it i think it, it makes it makes it more entertaining halfway through the season is when they'll start putting right. out the results on a wednesday or thursday that's always a pretty exciting day yeah. to see who dropped and for us media types who love that type of stuff and will analyze it and break it down I think it's pretty interesting. I like it. Well, that that's the most exciting thing, I think, about this change is, if you remember, it used to be based solely on district results. The district runner-up would get in. Well, district games were done by Week 10. We still had some just boring Week 11 games to play that meant nothing towards the playoff. That was terrible. Now, Week 11 counts. The Saturday after Week 11, they announce it's like Selection Sunday. You know, it's like March Madness. They announce these tournament parries. It's a lot of fun. I will throw out there one last thing is these RPI ratings will be kept and maintained by Max Preps. Some people have a problem with that because it's an outside party. When they were talking about using Max Preps ratings in other sports, there was some questioning because Max Preps is not very uh, forthcoming with their, their ratings formula. However, with this, it's very clear. You know, As we said, it's just the three factors. The thing is, though, coaches have to put in their stuff into Max Preps, which we've seen as a problem. Not all coaches use Max Preps, put accurate scores in. So I think the FHSAA will have to have some, take some time to, to clean that up. But you know, coaches seem to be in favor of it. And next, I'm going to throw to you, moving on, an issue that's been an issue for a long time. 
especially the past couple of years, is transfers, especially up here in Lee County. And there were some high-profile transfers this year. So some guys that were among the best in the area last year are at uh, one small school with a famous head coach. Why don't you talk to me about that? Yeah, it really all started when Ernest, former North Fort Myers coach, former Mariner, great, former UF, you know, legend, Ernest Graham took over at ECS and uh, – you know, a lot of people want to play for Ernest Graham. Uh, it re- the dominoes started to fall when uh, it got out there that Bishop Vero running back Terry Lindsay was thinking about going back to play for Ernest Graham, who he coached in Pop Warner and while Lindsay was at North Fort Myers. So oh, they have I a great relationship. And a thing players always tell me about Ernest Graham is he's one of the best players to ever come out of this county, one of the best players to ever play at UF. He played in the NFL. He knows what he's doing. They, they want to be coached by him. And then, it, you know, dominoes started fa- kept falling. You got Greg Thomas, a uh, very good wide receiver at Dunbar. He transferred to ECS. Uh, defensive lineman out of Moorhaven came on over. Uh, Taven Ward from Mariner, who was a very underrated player last year. He's at ECS now. And then there was the big one. The big one uh, the, for me, the, at the, least. The, the, bom- the bomb dropped. Uh R.J. Rosales, who I think unquestionably has been the best quarterback in Southwest Florida for the last two, three years, he decided, hey, I'm going to leave Immokalee, which leaving Immokalee, I can't can't believe he did it, but he's at ECS right now. He's got some real good players to throw to, and they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. That turned a lot of heads in Collier because, as I said, I, I think the transfer rules are a little looser in Lee County. It's tougher to transfer in Collier, at least public school to public school, because there are limited spots open for transfer students. So when, and I can't recall, I can recall a couple guys going from Collier County to Lee County, but no major stars like RJ. RJ committed to Army, 5,000 passing yards the past few years, and he's an Immokalee guy, born and raised in Immokalee, which is a football town, and they love their football stars. His brother-in-law was the quarterback on a Mockley State Championship winning team, and he's going to ECS. People were not happy down there. A lot of coaches down there in a Mockley. So that was huge. So people are questioning. And I always, you know, kids would show up at Naples, perennial state power in Naples, and, oh, you know, Bill Kramer's recruiting and whatnot. And I used to say, I, I don't think they need to recruit. People want to go play at a winning program, and when the, the rules are that easy to transfer, they just do it. However, you were telling me something else that it sounds like some coaches are uh, putting some feelers out there. Well, well, what did you hear? It, it's a, it's a mixed bag. Some coaches, you know, they're unhappy with the transfer. I, I don't think the Bishop Vero staff was very happy with Terry Lindsay transferring, well, and I, f- I forgot to mention Jaden Brown, the wide receiver, mm-hmm. the leading wide receiver at Bishop Vero transferred, as as well as uh, Giancarlo Duplessis, who's pretty good defensive player they weren't happy that their guys their guys left and they got into a little bit of a twitter war so are the immokalee coaches yeah, yeah. but uh in that twitter war you know you have coaches coming to ernest graham's defense saying hey bishop Vero, you got you brought terry Lindsay in last year <laughs> that's true they, they brought in malik malik curtis from south fort myers this year yeah it, it ha you it happens on both sides of the track you know you lose guys and you gain guys and a lot of coaches chimed in and said, hey, transferring's been happening in Southwest Florida for years, particularly in Lee County. Ernest Graham even told me, you know, other schools wanted him to play for their school. And I get it. That's not the big deal. Right. Yes, having a talent like R.J. Rosales transfer to ECS, that's going to be news no matter what. What I think people are implying is that there's recruiting happening. And I'm not saying anybody's doing it, 
but there are coaches that have thrown that thrown that thing out there. Southwest Florida Christian Academy dropped ECS from their schedule. And then really at Lee County Media Days, I started asking every single coach the question about the transferring situation and one particular instance that kind of really escalated things was Willis May, the new coach at South Fort Myers High School. And he's you know he's talking about how he came from Broward County where it's an epidemic over there. There's recruiting, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas just got busted um, in March for recruiting and stuff like that. And there's it's, two he, kids, two of the best quarterbacks in Collier County are at St. Thomas Aquinas now. So Yeah. And you know, he was talking about over there and he said it's it's starting to happen over here. He's starting to see the same signs it and then he said there are coaches calling my guys. Wow. He was he didn't accuse anyone, but he said there are coaches calling my guys. So and I was very shocked that he said that. Yeah. You know, we're live streaming this this press conference. So I asked the players at South Fort Myers who were sitting with him at the media day table, I said, Hey, how many of you guys have been called by another coach and asked to come to their school? Three of them that raised their hands. Wow. So I that I think the issue is recruiting, and the FHSA is ahead of the curve on this. They have made harsher penalties for recruiting. Uh, for instance, I'd say St. Thomas, Thomas Aquinas. Aquinas. You know, there's a, a $5,000 fine involved. A coach who, who is caught recruiting, and by being caught, there's evidence, like text messages, Twitter DMs. And can I say, that's the thing that, um, you know, people say, oh, you got to do a story on this. you got to do a story on ECS recruiting. Well, Unless someone comes to me with physical evidence that a coach has approached them and said, come play football at my school, that's the only mm. way to prove it. You know what I mean? They're, we they're, had 10 years ago, there was a kid named Breon Brown in Clark County, best running back, shows up at Naples. His brother said he was recruited. The brother wrote a handwritten note to, like, investigators that said, these coaches from Naples High came to my house and tried to recruit me, and they still couldn't prove it. They, they said that was, you know, not enough. So it was it's crazy. It's, it's impossible to prove. Darn near impossible. And the FHSA has added another harsher penalty for the coaches that are, that are caught recruiting, a six-week suspension. Because before, you know, booster clubs were paying fines and stuff like right. that. Now, now there's a suspension involved. And the FHSA made it clear that if you have clear evidence, like I said, text messages, Twitter DMs, stuff like that, they you can turn it in anonymously. So what I'm saying mm. is if you're upset that, you know, you think coaches are recruiting, get some hard evidence and turn them in. And I guarantee you, you know, there's 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 no evidence out there. So yeah. it's it's all fair game. I'm for it. Yeah, there's, there's not much not much you can do. So let's touch on a couple things here as we wrap up. I think the second biggest news was the realignment, the FHSAA realignment. And we're going to get into breaking down the teams in the districts and who we think will win what districts um, next week when we do kind of our big season preview. But let's just talk realignment, reclassification. I thought the biggest change was in 6A. That's where the majority, if not the plurality, of the teams in Collier and Lee County, they're in 6A. All the public schools in Collier County are now smushed into one 6A district. A lot of them in uh, Lee County are. And then new regions which is going to make tougher playoffs. Uh, what was your thoughts on realignment? What stood out to you the most? The new regions. Yeah. You know, you've got our 6A schools and our 5A schools are going to be playing in Region 4 instead of Region 3, and you know what that means. It's Miami. That, that means you don't, have, you don't have to get to a state semifinal to play a Miami team. Yep. For instance, in 6A, guess who you have? You have Miami Central, Miami Norland, Miami Southridge. Yep. Those are who you can play in your regional playoffs. You know, if you don't get a high seed, 
you could end up traveling to Traspal Stadium in the first round in of the playoffs. Week one, that's crazy. It used to be all the teams in Southwest Florida were their own region. You know, in the in the in the first three rounds, you're playing either someone from Lee County or Charlotte County. Not anymore, man. If you don't win your district, you don't get a home game. That means you're probably traveling over to over to Miami. In fact, you are because there's only what the two districts here that host games and so two district champs over in the east coast will host games so yeah man if you don't uh, win your district it's gonna be a tough road to hoe even if you do right exactly and that's in 6a and then 5a they got tough teams over there too so we'll break all those down next week um another thing that i find most interesting probably more than most people i don't know why this intrigues me so much i like schedule talk season is starting earlier than normal this year final day of the regular season is november 1st the way the calendar falls Thanksgiving is very late this year. I think it's the latest possible day, the 28th or whatever. Regional finals are going to be the week before Thanksgiving, which has never happened, at least in the past 22 years, that I could find dates for the playoffs. That also means we're going to have three games in August. We know August notorious for rainstorms and lightning. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? You think we're going to be sitting in press boxes a lot longer on Friday nights thanks to these uh, August games? I'm used to it, man. I it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, we're going to have games canceled. We're going to have games played at 10 a.m. on Saturday. And really the thing I hate about is when the games are played on Monday because I think playing a game on Monday and then going on Friday to play, I don't think that's safe at all. I mean, I think that's something that they really need to work out with the officials. Going back to what our topic was in the first segment, I think there really needs to be something done about the officials because I know they have to referee Pop Warner on Saturday. I think a priority needs to be placed on varsity football. These kids cannot be playing two games in five days or three games in eight days. That's crazy to me, and teams in Lee County have done it. I've Probably some teams in Collier County have done it. Yeah, not too often. It seems to usually only happen when it's uh, when they're playing Lee County teams, which is weird. I don't know if there's more uh, thunderstorms up here or what, but uh, not not too often. When was the last time you uh, had a had a day after Thanksgiving off? I don't think it's – I think it happened once down here, but we had games to play, but there was only one game, and I feel like they were playing in Lee County or something. But, yeah, since I co- started covering sports, not since uh, I was in college. Yeah, it's entirely possible with the regional finals being yeah. played bef- before Thanksgiving, we might be done with football season and before Thanksgiving. going back to the previous topic, that the regions are so much tougher, it's going to be darn near impossible for a local team, I think, to win a regional championship. Naples has won – two, three out of the past four. But to do that, they're going to have to beat Miami Central to move on to the state semifinals and get to those, um, you know, state semifinals after Thanksgiving. So, man, this might be uh, – we might be able to enjoy our turkey day a little bit better this year. Well, and as someone who's lived, you know, away from their family for yeah. my entire sports writing career for, you know, 12 years, I've never actually spent a Thanksgiving at home with my family. I haven't either. I'm not – I'm not rooting for that. I love my family. I'm not rooting for that. I think I'd rather be covering football the day after Thanksgiving, but it would be an interesting change. Well, I uh, my sister's already coming down, so I'll, I'll be hanging with that with them e- either way, whether I'm working or not. So, yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll see if Naples High is playing in a state semifinal or, or, that or week. Myers, who knows? <laughs> So that'll do it for this week, guys. Thank you so much for coming back with us. We're so excited to be here. We're going to be here every week, dropping these podcasts every Wednesday throughout the season, as long as we have teams playing. Next week, we're going to break down our season preview. We're going to go district by district, tell you about the realignments, tell you who we like, and then, of course, after that, it's week one. We'll break down the season in full. So for Adam Regan, I am Adam Fisher with the Naples Daily News. He's with the Fort Myers News Press. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download to get you ready for the coming week's games.